We are on Ksubis Mem Gimel towards the middle of the page, 43b. As we continue on with a discussion from our Mishnah, we began a Mishnah in the last class. And today's Gemara will focus on the second half of that Mishnah. We had a dispute between the Tanakama, the first opinion, the majority, and Rabbi Yehuda. We were discussing what happens in the following case. In a case where a father marries off his daughter, who is a minor, um, and she gets married. She's fully married. Well, once she's fully married, she's outside the jurisdiction of her father. And then she gets divorced. Uh, so the question is, in that case, just focus on that case alone for now, in that case, who receives the ksuba? Does it belong to the girl or does it belong to the father? Because at the time of their, let's say, engagement or the writing of the ksuba, uh, she was under the jurisdiction of her father, which was taking place before she was fully married, before they were living together and fully married. But when they get divorced, at the time that they got divorced, so then she was under her own jurisdiction. She was on, she was already married. She's no longer, she has left the jurisdiction of her father. So the Tanakhama, the first opinion, says that she receives the ksuba. Rabbi Huda says that no, it's given to the father. And the Gemara will try to figure out the position of Rabbi Huda. The Mishnah happened to continue and say Rabbi Huda agrees that, let's say, she went ahead and got married to somebody else, a second, a second marriage. So then everybody agrees that in that case, she receives the ksuba because... Uh, even Rabbi Yehuda would agree that uh, at the time of the very beginning of that uh, marriage, even of the halachic engagement, she is under her own jurisdiction. So the Gemara says, My time at Rabbi Yehuda. The Gemara asks, what is the reason for Rabbi Yehuda? It seems as though the position of the Tanakama, the, the first opinion, uh, makes sense. It's understandable. And so the Gemara does not ask about that position. Yeah, she should receive it. She, at the time that they got divorced, at the time that she's supposed to receive the ksuba, uh, she is already she was already married and she has left the jurisdiction of her father. She receives the ksuba. The whole question is on what is the position of Rabbi Huda? What is the logic behind Rabbi Huda to say that it is given to the father? So the Gemara will present one answer and then they'll ask a question uh, from a different statement of Rabbi Huda. And then the Gemara will sort of tweak it a little bit. The Gemara will give a little bit of tweak for, to, to that first answer. Uh, and, and re-explain it. Rab of Rav Yosef, Demer Tervaya. Rab and Rav Yosef answer as follows. Hol Mishas Erisin Ben Ha'av. The reason is, is because at the time of the beginning of this halachic relationship, which begins at the halachic engagement, so then she's still under the jurisdiction of the father. So since at the very beginning, it's true. Once she gets married, she's on her own. Uh, but at the time of the beginning of that process, the halachic process, uh, where they have an engagement, so then uh, the father, she's under the father, so therefore the father is able to collect. So the Gemara asks, well, wait a minute. We have a case where that's not true. Masav Rava, Rava asks, Rabbi Huda Omer, in a different place, Rabbi Huda says, Rishon Shalav. Rabbi Huda says, yeah, it belongs to the father, but Moda Rabbi Huda, I'll agree with the first opinion in the following case. What happens if you have the following case? The Ma'aris is Bito, Kshikitana. Uh, a, a father uh, marries off his daughter, and they're right now at the engagement stage. They, they have a halachic engagement, the daughter who is a minor. The Bagra, but while they are engaged, she becomes a girl who is above the age of 12 and a half, so that she has left her father's jurisdiction during the engagement time period, before she's fully married before she moves in to live with uh, her husband. And then afterwards she gets married. Again, she's above the age of 12 and a half. 
So then, the ksuba is given to her. It's not given to her father. The Gemara asks, Amai, Hachanami, Limahol, Mishas, Erisin, Zachabanaav. Why is this any different? At the very beginning of the halachic relationship, at the time of the engagement, she was still under the jurisdiction of her father. It's true, in between the engagement and the marriage, she reaches the age of above 12 and a half, but so what? If the whole basis for uh, Rabbi Huda is that at the very beginning of this halachic uh, relationship, she's under the jurisdiction of her father, the same thing should apply here. So the Gemara has to tweak this a little bit. And so the Gemara explained, This is how you have to explain it. The, 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 the explanation now is, let's uh, explain the process of the, the ksuba. Uh, so they have a halachic engagement. So then when there was a year apart, today we do this uh, all at the same time. Uh, but, and so therefore, uh, the, the ksuba is actually written even before the halachic engagement. But in the times of the Gemara, where it was a year apart, uh, so then when would they write the ksuba? They would write the ksuba before the marriage. They would write it right before the marriage. Uh, but the, the complete marriage, meaning during the stage of engagement, but towards the end, or end part of that stage of engagement, before they get married. And so now the explanation is that it doesn't go based on the beginning of the halachic uh, relationship here. Uh, and, and, and if she's under the jurisdiction of her father, so then... Uh, her father has the rights to the ksuba. No, not, that's not the idea. The idea is that it is all based, according to Rabbi Huda, it's all based on the time that they wrote the ksuba. Even though, explains Rashi, we are following the position that says that uh, there is a takana, there is a ruling by the rabbis that there should be a ksuba already from the beginning of the halachic engagement, but practically they did not write the ksuba. The writing of the actual ksuba only took place right before they got married, before there was a complete marriage. Um, and so Rabbi Yehuda is saying that whenever they write the ksuba, so then there's the question of, is she under the jurisdiction of her father? So in our Mishnah, she still is, because it's still before she's married. It's, uh, it could be a, few, a significant number of months after the engagement. It could be 11 months after the engagement, but in the end of the day, she's still under the jurisdiction of her father, her father receives it. However, in the other case where Rabbi Yehuda agreed that it belongs to her, in the case where at the time of the engagement she's under the age of 12, but during the engagement she turns 12 and a half, and so therefore she's no longer a minor, she's a bogaris now. So then at the time of the writing of the ksuba, she's under her own jurisdiction and she could receive her own ksuba. And so that's what the Gemara concludes. That is the idea behind Rabbi Yehuda. At the end of the day, there's an interesting dispute here between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim. When exactly do we define the moment where there's an obligation uh, to pay the ksuba? To the, not necessarily to pay the ksuba, but uh, who has rights to the ksuba? According to the Chamim, it's all based on the time of the actual collection of the ksuba, after they get divorced or after the husband passes away. So she's under her own jurisdiction in those cases, so therefore she should receive it. Who is of the opinion that no, it already begins much earlier, before there's an end to the marriage, ready from the very beginning. Uh, at the time that they obligate themselves from the writing of the ksuba, that's when uh, there's already this already kicks in. Okay, for the next part of the Gemara, we have to have a little bit of an introduction. Two introductions. Number one is that the ksuba. For the ksuba, there are really two parts to the payment uh, of the of the ksuba after the marriage has ended, whether that's by divorce or by death of the husband. Uh, there are two parts. One is the what we refer to as the ikr, 
um, the base level, the, the, the amount that's required, which is 100 or 200, uh, depending on whether or not uh, she is a basula, she is a virgin, she would receive 200, otherwise she would receive 100. And then there's something we refer to as tosefes haksuba, uh, going above and beyond uh, the 200, which is allowed, uh, preferred, recommended. And in fact, today, every ksuba has a tosefes ksuba, even though there is a minimal amount, but every ksuba today, we include more than just the minimal amount. So the minimal amount, the minimal amount could be 200, but tosefes ksuba means to also include in the ksuba much more than that. And so you include a lot more than that. That is the difference between the tosefes, the extra, that means extra, versus the uh, the base level, which is 100 or 200, depending on the situation. That is point number one. Point number two is that in general, there's a general rule uh, that when a person, let's say, they lend money to somebody else with a shtar, with a halachic document, with witnesses who sign on that document. So then if uh, when the lender comes to collect from the borrower, the borrower has no money, so then he has the right to collect from his land, from his land, not just from his land that he currently owns, but any land which he did own at the time of the loan itself, at the time that uh, the loan took place. So now that land is on a lien. And even if he were to sell that land, let's say the borrower, we have a lender and borrower, the lender's name is Ruvain, the borrower is Shimon, so Shimon owes Ruvain. Um, so now Shimon, he... Uh, he doesn't have any money at the time that he has to pay up. Ruvain could collect from his land. Let's say Shimon had land at the time of the of the of the loan, but right now he doesn't have land. He already sold it to somebody else. So then the Ruvain has the right to collect the land from uh, from the person. Let's say Shimon sold it to Levi. He has the right to collect the land from Levi, and Levi should have understood that he's taking a risk here. That if Shimon doesn't have money, so then Ruvain could actually collect the land from Levi. Levi would be taking a risk here. And the assumption is, is that once there's a witnesses and a document taking place, so then there's, there's people are aware of and they, they know about uh, this situation with regards to the land of Shimon. It's out there. It's public. People know about it. Um, and so, so that's with regards to what we refer to as lukuchos, people who have bought the land that's already on a lien from from the from the the, the loan between Ruvain and Shimon. So the Gemara wants to know as follows: Migva me'emas gavia. Uh, from what point in time? Basically, we we said that there's let's say three points in time in the ksuba process. There's at the time that they get engaged, and at that point in time, halachic engagement. At that point in time, um, the rabbis instituted that there should be a ksuba at least according to some opinions. The rabbis instituted that there should be a ksuba. There's the writing of the ksuba, which takes place, uh, could take place uh, a little bit later. And then there's the actual, after the end of the marriage, there's the actual giving of the ksuba money. Um, but what happens when, let's say the husband doesn't have any money, so then you could collect from his land, uh, and even from land that he sold. But from at what point in time does that begin? Meaning as follows. Let's say he had land that he owned, um, from the time of the engagement, but he sold it before they actually wrote the ksuba. So, is that land that he sold also part of the uh, part of the the, the ksuba that uh, the wife could collect from that land that he sold uh, to somebody else between the engagement, the halakhic engagement, and 
the writing of the Ksuba? At what point in time do we say that the Lekuchos, the people who acquire this land, have to be concerned and be aware of the fact that uh, th- there's potential that this land can be collected? Is it from the time of the engagement or is it time from um, or is it from the time period of the writing of the Ksuba? Now, according to Rashi, this is all according to the explanation of Rashi, the classic commentator, he says that really everybody should agree that it should start from the time that uh, of the halachic engagement. At that point in time, the rabbis announced and the institute that there's a ksuba and that you could collect from the ksuba and if he doesn't have money, if the husband doesn't have money, so then you could collect from his land and people will know about it. People be, will be aware of it. Uh, but as we'll, we'll see in the Gemara, the question becomes, well, fine, that's at the point in time at the beginning of the engagement. But once they write the ksuba, so then it could be that at the point that they write the Ksuba, let's say they write the Ksuba 10 months later from when they're first obligated in uh, in having a Ksuba, let's say they write it 10 months later, so then it could be that since they sign it with the date, that the wife is basically saying, implicitly saying, it's true, I could have collected from the point in time of the beginning of the engagement, but I'm I'm being mochel, I'm being mocheles, I'm I'm I'm, I'm for forgiving uh, that land, and really, once we sign this document and we sign this document, it's really moving forward from this point in time onwards that I have uh, an opportunity to collect the land of the husband. That really is the question: Do we do we collect from the original time, or is uh, does she forego that and say because she's writing a, a ksuba much later, she's saying it's really from the point in time of the writing of the ksuba? That's the question of the Gemara. Migva From when could she collect? So we have two answers to this question. Rav Huna says that the Iker, the base amount of 100 or 200, she could collect from the time of the engagement, halachic engagement. Anything extra, the Tosefes, what we mentioned before, the extra, it can only be collected uh, from the time that they write the Ksuba. It says in the Gemara literally from the marriage, but it really means from the writing of the Ksuba, which happened right before that. Uh, so it's from the writing of the Ksuba, that's when the wife could collect the land uh, that he had from the writing of the Ksuba for the extra amount. That's the position of Rav Huna. However, for Ravasi, Amar, Ravasi says, no, everything is based on the time of the writing of the Ksuba. Everything, both the the base amount of 100 or 200 or the extra, it's all based on uh, the writing of the, when they wrote the Ksuba. Rav Huna says, no, Rav Huna says that you could separate, you could di- differentiate between the Iker, the main amount, which uh, should be collected, uh, which uh, they collect from land that the husband owned at the time of the engagement, anything extra can only be from the time of the uh, from the time of the actual writing of the Ksuba. So the Gemara asks, Umi Hachi, is this really the position of Ravuna? Could Ravuna really have this split to differentiate between the base amount of 100 and 200 versus the Tosefis, the extra? Because we have the following statement of Ravuna. We have the following case. Interesting case here. Where we have a woman who's married to one husband, but she has two documents, two Ksuba documents on her. One document says that my husband owes me to the Ksuba 200. The other one says 300. So two Ksubas. So how does she collect? Which with which one does she collect from? So Amr of Huna. Huna says, collect from the one that Baosa Ligvos Masaim Gova Mizman Rishon Shlosh Mias Gova Mizman Sheni. 
<coughs> Before we get to the question, let's just explain Rav Huna. Rav Huna says, basically, whatever is to her benefit. Now, obviously, if one is 300 and one is 200, so then the one that's worth 300, that she should receive 300, is worth more than the one that's 200. So yeah, in an ideal situation, collect from the 300. However, Rav Huna says, sometimes you might want to collect from the 200. What would be a case where you'd want to collect from the 200? Because the 200, the, the date of the ksuba of the 200 was written earlier than the one for the 300. Let's say the one for 200 was written on January 1st. The one for 300 was written on February 1st. So you could have a situation where, let's say, the husband owned land between January and February 1st and then sold it, So and he doesn't have any money right now, so then maybe it's so then definitely it's better to collect from the 200, but collect from the land. Okay, so Rav Huna here says that you have 200 and you have 300, so collect... Whatever is better for you, either collect the 300 or if he doesn't have money, but he had land between January 1st and February 1st, so then collect uh, from the 200 with uh, with the land from that point in time. Uh, because only the 200 had the date of January 1st. The one with 300 had the date of February 1st. Just as an example. So the Gemara asks on Ruhuna, They ask, I don't understand. You have 200 on one document, 300 on another document. So we should say that that 300 includes the 200 of the first document, and the other 100 is the extra. And so then, according to Rav Huna, it's not about picking and choosing which one's better, just it's a very obvious way to figure this out. If one of them is 200, the other one's an extra amount, the Tosefus of another 100, so then the 200 everybody agrees to, you could start collecting from January 1st. That's the that's the Iker, that's the base amount. And so then... Whatever is uh, above and beyond that, the Tosefes, so then that you collect from February 1st. Because Rav Huna said you could split between the two. So if we have one document that says 200, one document that says 300, so just say that that 300 is really 200 and 100. And then there's, there's nothing, to, there's nothing to, to choose from. The 200 you collect from the earlier time period, the extra amount you collect from the later time period, which was the position of Rav Huna. So says back, wait a minute, slow down. If you're combining the documents and saying that really she deserves both documents, that's strange. Because then you should say that the 300 is not 200 plus 100, it's an additional 300. Maybe there's really 500 to talk about. Maybe there's 200 plus another 300. And then she should collect the 200 from the original point in time and then 300 from the later point in time. But we don't say that. Why don't we say this? Because on the second document, the language is not like it's an above an addition to the first document, to the original 200. It doesn't use such a language. It didn't have a language that this is 300 above and beyond what was already promised to the 200. No. It sounds like it's just a separate 300, as if to say the husband gave the wife two different documents to say, if you want to collect from 200, but that's from the earlier date, and from 300 from the later date. And they're separate. So then, so too, we can now explain, answer the, the original question. Hachanami. Moving on to 44a. Uh, basically, that since this is not written, the 300 is not written as above and beyond the original 200, so we don't view the 300 as 200 plus 100. No, that's not what's going on here. What's going on here is that she's basically, with the second document, is being mocheles. She's foregoing the original 
document, the original 200, and saying, listen, if I collect, I could collect 200 from the original time period. But if I'm collecting now the 300, so then it has to be based on the time period that that was written, that the date that that was written uh, of the 300. And then I cannot collect from an earlier point in time. And so that was what she agreed to. So it's really, it's two separate documents because it doesn't say anywhere on the document that it's relating back to the original document. It means it's two separate documents. And so therefore, Rav Huna would agree. In this case, the original document, if you want to collect 200 from the date that that was written, if you want to collect 300, it has to be from the date of the document that says 300. And that's the answer to, to that question. Okay, so that was the discussion about at what point, uh, uh, when does, when, who, who receives the ksuba money, the, 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 the girl or the father, and also at what, at what point in time can you collect from the land and from the land that was, um, that was sold to other people, the lakukos.